Blogger Megan Griffith shares what it's like when she listens to the world. She says, quote, Have you ever had, tried to have a conversation with someone at a concert, a sporting event, or on a noisy train or subway? It's difficult to hear the other person, right? Well, my life is like all your conversations take place in some kind of stadium or subway station, even if you're actually sitting in a quiet classroom or in your own living room. See, all the time, in any circumstance, Megan hears the sounds all around her, but she can't distinguish where they come from or the meaning attached to each one. For her, sound is a constant bombardment, and sifting through the barrage is virtually impossible. Megan suffers from what's called auditory processing disorder, a condition that includes the failure of what's called auditory figure ground discrimination, or being able to focus on the most important sounds in a noisy environment. In 1 Samuel today, the little boy Samuel is asleep in the temple at Shiloh, but he sleeps fitfully. Three times he's awakened by a voice calling out to him, but Samuel can't distinguish from whom or where the voice is coming. He thinks it must be Eli the priest. So he gets up each time and he tries to follow the sound. Finally, the Bible tells us, Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. And he counsels Samuel that if Samuel hears that voice again, he should listen with great care. I've always loved this story. And it does indeed turn out that the voice calling out to Samuel is the voice of God. That's, that's why this story's in the Bible after all. But I've always wondered, what if it hadn't been God? Because often, of course, it isn't. Often when we hear a siren song and we call it God, the voice is actually something very different. Albert Schweitzer once famously said that sometimes seeking to hear God is like calling out down a deep well and mistaking our own echo for God's voice. But even that is just one voice among innumerable others. In full, it seems to me that it is as if we suffer from cultural auditory processing disorder. We are all so bombarded with noise, and I mean that both literally and figuratively, that we cannot process it accurately. We suffer from a collective failure of auditory figure ground discrimination. Too often, we fail to recognize the trustworthy and reliable voices in a noisy environment. And as a result, often the sound that lands is the loudest or the most incessant or the most outrageous. 
Why is this so? I think it's because we dislike ambiguity. We dislike confusion. We are hardwired to seek simplicity and clarity. Just as when the earth beneath us starts to feel like quicksand, we will seek solid ground no matter what, even if that ground is volcanic. We desire these things so much that we are sometimes willing to accept whatever pierces through the noise and grants us something distinguishable. Whether or not that voice is trustworthy. Or to hearken back to the story of Samuel, whether or not that voice is of God. Now this can happen regardless of one's politics or ideology. But it certainly happens in the weeks and months and indeed years leading up to January the 6th. And the assault on the United States Capitol building was perhaps an inevitable result. The rhetoric, the postings, the emblems of those who violated the Capitol building express fidelity to and certainty in loud and incessant voices that are most decidedly not of God. There were overt expressions of white supremacy. There were idolatrous signs emblazoned with the message, Jesus Christ is my Savior, Donald Trump is my President. And cryptic to those on the outside, but most telling of all, there were ubiquitous symbols of QAnon, the Byzantine, internet-driven conspiracy theory with thousands of devotees that claims to be combating, as reported by the BBC, quote, a secret war against elite Satan-worshipping pedophiles in government, business, and the media, close quote. In preparation for this sermon, I traveled down some of the QAnon internet rabbit holes, and it is both bizarre and frightening, I assure you. The scale of the violence involved in the assault on the Capitol is still becoming clear. Acting United States Attorney Michael Sherwin reports as, quote, mind-blowing the extent and severity of the acts of violence at the Capitol building. Sherwin said in his press conference, quote, people are going to be shocked with some of the egregious contact that happened in the Capitol. Sherwin also revealed that live pipe bombs were planted at both the Democratic and Republican Party headquarters. Blessedly, they did not detonate. In the wake of January 6th, we must ask anew, through the world's noise and our own distress, how do we know which voices are God's and of God when so many competing ones claim to be? And for that, we turn, as we should always turn, to the gospel. In today's passage, the voice of Jesus calls out amidst the world's noise, and Nathaniel hears him. 
Without pause or hesitation, Nathanael proclaims of Jesus in awe and wonder, you are the Son of God. And in that moment, Nathanael's entire life changes. And by that, I do not mean he starts going to church twice a month. And I don't mean that he starts to rest easy in the assurance that he gets to go to heaven when he dies. Rather, Nathaniel's life becomes, in its entirety, a life of discipleship to Jesus. Every commitment, every decision, every priority, every passion becomes the shared passions of Jesus. Why is this so? Why is this voice different? Why does it transform Nathaniel's very being in the world? Well, a few verses prior, John's gospel has told us no one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made God known. That is to say, and admittedly, mixing metaphors of sight and sound, if you want to know what the voice of God sounds like, listen to Jesus. This has always been the central Christian truth, the truth of the incarnation. If we want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. If we want to know what the voice of God sounds like, listen to Jesus. And by extension, that means we must not call our own self-affirming echo Jesus' voice. And we must not ever choose some ideology, any ideology, and call it the gospel. Listen. To Jesus. Let Jesus' voice reach us through the noise. Focus on it and only it. And what does that voice say? The voice of Jesus denies the temptation of power in favor of sacrifice. The voice of Jesus defends the vulnerable who are at the mercy of the majority and the mob. The voice of Jesus brings good news to the poor and release to the captives and freedom to the oppressed. And the voice of Jesus blesses those who do likewise as inheritors of the kingdom. This is the voice of Jesus piercing the noise. This is the only entirely true and trustworthy and reliable voice. Any voice from anyone that speaks differently is not God and is not of God. And following the voice of Jesus in all things is what the life of discipleship looks like. It is all-encompassing.
at the funeral of John McCain on August 31, 2018. McCain's friend and fellow senator, Jeff Flake, said, this fever will eventually break. It has to. That's an interesting image. Fever spikes often into delirium before it breaks. I pray that our national fever broke on January the 6th in hopes that it did. We have to ask how we, as Episcopalians and as members of Christ Church Cathedral, can contribute to national healing. Importantly, the first word Jesus speaks in the Gospels is a call to repentance, to acknowledge our contributions to the world's unholy noise and to turn anew toward the God of love. Surely and specifically, this means holding accountable all those who participated in and abetted the violent assault on January 6th. Beyond that, in order to experience societal redemption, we must each ask and answer with stark honesty what sins of commission or omission we have contributed to the acrimony in our nation. We must amend our speech where we have added to the noise. And we must speak gospel words where we have been silent. Secondly, and of equal importance, a restoration of health also requires that we acknowledge that getting back to normal is not good news for everyone. Our experience these past years has revealed that there are those in our society who remain vulnerable and for whom justice and equal opportunity have been ephemeral. There is much work to be done with regard to race and racism, the economic effects of deindustrialization on our communities, and more, all of which must be constructively addressed from our national leaders all the way down to our local community. And about these things, the church must have something to say as well, just as Jesus did. But first of all, we must quiet the noise and listen to the voice of Jesus. In it, there is no deceit. It is good. It is trustworthy. It is true. And it calls us this day and every day to follow him as disciples. Amen.